0: I had something completely different that I wanted to teach on tonight, and um, I could not finish Sunday, and so I want to finish it on tonight. Um, So this is When Disciples Pray. This is part 2B, okay? Um, Jeremiah, the 29th chapter. Come on, go to Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, verse number 12. Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, verse number 12. Um, I've been pastoring long enough to know, to hear the voice of the Lord, that when he says to stop, to stop. When he says to go, to go. And uh, Sunday, we were on point two, and the Lord said, stop. And um, give us a time to confess and to really go after God. And so I'm I'm, I'm going to rewind a little bit of what we talked about on Sunday, but then I'm going to move us forward, all right? Um, Are y'all ready to receive the word on tonight? I said, are y'all ready to receive the word on tonight? Amen. Uh, We thank God for Sister Betty being in the house. She uh, lost her brother, and uh, we're keeping her lifted in prayer. Um, even through this time of her family going through bereavement, we want to make sure that we keep her lifted in prayer. Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, verse number 12. If you haven't, say amen. amen. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will seek you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Everybody say, all your heart. All your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Go back to verse number 12. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. All right? All right. We've been declaring this all month, and I want to keep declaring this. You need to make sure you put this somewhere around you, post it somewhere. Make sure it is near and dear to your heart that you hear the voice of the Lord. Why are y'all all the way back there? Come on up. Come on up, y'all. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Amen. All these seats. Praise the Lord. They'll be fine. Come on up. They don't bother me. I don't never say anything about cheering. Come on. Come on up. Amen. All right. I don't like separation. It just it does something to me. All right. Um, listen, uh um We've been declaring this all month long, and I need you to get this as a part of your spirit, as a part of what God is doing. Hear what God is saying in this season. I declare that your prayers are getting ready to be answered. I don't know who needs to hear that, but there's some of you that are giving up too quickly before God does what he's going to do in your life. There are some of us that God is, I mean, just on the verge of moving on your behalf. But because we give up so easily and so quickly, we don't get to where God has for us. But I'm declaring to this house and to those who will receive the word of the Lord, who got a little bit of faith on tonight, that your prayers, there's some stuff you've been praying about that's getting ready to be answered. Now, I know this ain't for everybody. Some of y'all want to be stuck like Chuck and be right where you are. But for the people in this house that say, I'm one of those, I need you to turn to somebody and say, he's getting ready to answer my prayer. Answer my prayer. Uh, you need to know that. You need to say. You need to get that in your spirit. See, let me tell you something. Sunday, when I started saying that, I got excited because I started remembering some stuff that the Lord promised me that has not yeah. happened yet. And because I got that on my mind, it gave me an excitement down in my spirit that, God, if you are the one who spoke it, you said you're not a man that you should lie, neither the son of man that you should repent. What does that mean? If you said it, it's going to happen. So I believe with everything inside of me that there's some prayers that are getting ready to be answered in my life. God is saying that your prayers are going to reach heaven and your prayers are about to bring you out of some stuff you're in right now. Prayer is so important, ladies and gentlemen, because whenever you are in the posture of prayer, you are in the most powerful position. Why? Because prayer changes things. Your prayers are can shape your world. Your prayers can release blessings in your life. Your prayers can shape your situation. And it might not, I said this on Sunday, but it's still true. It might not be good English, but it's good theology. What prayer can't do, can't be did. I wish somebody would get that. What prayer can't do, can't be did. Because your prayer has the ability to touch every area of your life. See, I know some of y'all have mastered complaining, but I wish you would master praying. Because prayer will shut down the complaints in your life. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. And will lift you up to a place that believes God beyond what you see. My prayer life shifts me over into faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm praying about stuff I can't see, but I know he's got enough to do with. I wish I had somebody right there I'm praying about stuff that I believe that God is able to do just what he said he's gonna do so when you lay at the feet of Jesus prayer changes things and the purpose of this series talking up about prayer is to understand the discipline everybody say discipline the discipline of prayer to help us to see things, uh, see the importance of prayer, and to challenge us to make a pr- make prayer a regular practice of our everyday life. Turn me up in the monotonous just a little bit. But what is prayer? Prayer is our direct line with God. Prayer is communication. Everybody say communication. Amen. It is a process that allows us to talk to God and God talk to us. And prayer becomes our means of communication that allows us to interact, discuss, and respond to God. Prayer is simply us talking to God and God talking to us. And as a disciple of Jesus Christ, it is a necessary function that we keep the lines of communication open with our God. Ain't nothing worse than, watch this, because some of y'all can't handle... um, 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 some of y'all go crazy when somebody gives you the silent treatment. Some of you can't handle when folks stop talking to you. You will fall out with people on perceived silence. Wow. Wow. Oh, y'all don't like me tonight. That's all right. I, I ain't got no microphone in my hand so I can really go there. You, 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 some of us don't like the fact of when you think somebody ain't talking to you. Because what? What does that say to you? If the lines of communication are open, then we must be all right. As long as we still talking. Come here. That's why some of y'all like to start arguments. Because an argument for you means we, can st- we still have communication lines open. Ooh. And God is saying, why do you keep giving me the silent treatment? you going through what you're going through, yet you never talk to me about it, yet you never say anything to me about it. Prayer is spending time in conversation with God. It is pointing your spirit, your mind, and your emotions towards God in a conversation with God. Now, that thing messed me up, to be honest with you, because when it says pointing your spirit, your mind, and your emotions, that means all of you has to enter into prayer. Question, how many of you... Is when you pray, the only thing that enters in is your mind, but not your emotions and not your spirit. Okay, God is saying, "I need all of you to come boldly to the throne of grace." And what we looked at, we looked at when did Jesus pray? He prayed to deal with depletion. He prayed to de- to stay aligned with his assignment. He prayed to discern decisions. He prayed to wrestle with his will, and he prayed to when he felt forsaken. But but uh, Sunday we started this conversation of looking at the ingredients or the components of prayer. And what did we first say? That prayer number one must be what daily. Let the church say. daily. Daily. In other words, powerful praying is not emergency praying. If the only time you pray is if you got an emergency, then you really don't have a prayer life. Mm -hmm. Prayer that is given when you're faced with an emergency is not a prayer life. And I said this on Sunday, prayer lacks power when you only pray when you think you need to pray. It has to be a daily routine ritual in the life of a believer that you talk with God on a daily basis. And and for some of us, maybe not all of y'all, but for some of us, it can't be just once a day. I can't just talk to him when the only time I talk to him is when I wake up in the morning and when I eat something. I catch too much hell for me to only talk to him a few times. Oh, God, I wish I had somebody right there. I go through too much for me to just talk to him casually every now and again. There's some of us that have discovered I can't just pray to him just one, two times a day. Is there anybody here that's like me that have an ongoing conversation with him all day long? Prayer is not intended to be an event, but prayer is not intended to be a lifestyle. So if you came to freedom tonight and you have not prayed yet, you need to change your lifestyle. Because every one of us needs to be people that understands that prayer is a lifestyle. So number one, prayer must be daily. Let the church say daily. Here's number two, prayer must be deliberate. James 4, verse number three, you don't have to turn there, tells us that we have not because we ask not. Because through prayer, we have been given an awesome privilege of initiating blessings to flow in our lives. I'm going to come back to that again. Our prayer becomes powerful when we pray deliberately and intentionally. Not prayers that are soon forgotten as soon as you finish praying. I told y'all on Sunday, I'm tired of taking my time to pray for an issue you don't even care about yourself. God, get me out of this job. God, I want to be out of this job. Well, did you put an application? No. (laughs) God, help me with my finances. Did you stop eating out every day? No. Mm Mm-hmm. Because sometimes what we're praying for is a miracle when all you need is management. (laughs) So why am I going to take my time talking to God about an issue where you just need management? Y'all getting quiet right through here. Because deliberate praying involves thinking carefully about what I really want from God. If you like me, um, watch this. I'm learning the older I get, I got to be specific with my prayer. I just can't pray about just any old thing. I got to make sure that it is touching my life exactly where I am. I just can't be bringing up just any and everything as if it's just frivolous. Because most times, a lot of the stuff, watch this, that I prayed about years ago, I'm so grateful to God that he didn't answer it. There's some stuff that I wanted that I'm glad he didn't put in his will because there's some stuff that I wanted would have messed up my life. God, I wish I had somebody. Have you ever prayed for a relationship, and when you look back at the relationship, you say, thanks be unto God, you rescued me out of that. There's some jobs you wanted that there was a level of warfare you weren't ready for. Come on there's a job that I prayed for but I remember this back back in 27 2007 2006 somewhere around that time 2008 that I prayed for I wanted this job it was like right on it was just right I mean it was the right pay and I started putting my budget together based upon the pay that I thought I was gonna receive from the job I don't <laughs> even have yet don't act like y'all ain't never done that before I started seeing myself in a certain way and I wanted this job and then I got the email saying sorry we went with somebody else I had an attitude with God because I was believing God for this job And then six months later, the company closed down. And you are praying for stuff that might not be in the will of God. So I have to be specific with my prayers. Watch this. Watch this. The question becomes, how can I expect God to take my prayer seriously if I don't take my own prayer seriously? How can I ask God to take my prayer seriously seriously? If I don't even take my own prayer seriously, because if I took it seriously, I would line my life up in the direction of answered prayer. You know what that means? That means you need to get yourself ready. You praying for something that you ain't ready for. I want a husband. Why? What for? Are you ready to handle one? No, you're not. Because your emotions are all over the place now. I know you ain't ready. You know how I know you ain't ready? You ain't ready to be married because you don't know how to be alone. And you ain't ready for marriage until you first learn how to be alone. You still don't believe me. Because, see, see, what we want is somebody that make a lot of money. But what I've discovered about people that make a lot of money, they ain't home a lot. We want stuff we ain't ready for. We got to make sure that we line our life up in the direction of our prayer. Why you want a Mercedes? You don't keep the Hyundai straight. Come on, Pastor. What for? You want the house. You laid on the rent. You're paying now. Line your life up in the direction of your prayer. Get ready for it. Because God ain't blessing nobody that ain't ready. God, I wish I had somebody right there. I say, God ain't blessing nobody that ain't ready. If you ain't ready for it, he ain't going to bless you with it. Oh, God, I wish I had. Because faith without works is, you got to point my faith and my works have to point in the direction of what I believe God can do. So it has to be deliberate. Number three, prayer must be direct. Everybody say direct. Prayer is not meditation or passive reflection. Prayer is a direct address to God. It is communication of the human soul with the Lord who created the soul. Can't be praying to the universe. What is the universe going to do for you? Praying to your ancestors. They dead. What are they going to do? You got to make sure who you praying to. See, this is this is, this is why this is why the church nowadays I ain't saying this church but I'm just saying the church universally. this is why the people of God are now uh, Buddhist costals. Because now you mix all this stuff together and you we don't know who you're praying to anymore.-hmm Now you Muslim Baptists get your mind right? There's one Lord, Amen. one faith. And one baptism. You got to be clear on who you're praying to. Because when you start mixing that stuff up together, God know I don't, I don't, who you talking to? You have to be direct with your prayer. It's our way of communicating our emotions and desires with God. Okay? So you have to be direct. So what do we teach? We teach that before you close out the prayer, you got to say, in, in Jesus' name. Now, is praying in Jesus' name a magic formula? No. Because a lot of stuff you don't pray for in Jesus' name. That didn't happen. Amen. Thank God. Here's the difference. When you pray in Jesus' name, what you're saying is, I'm coming in the authority of Jesus' name. He said, watch this. We talked this a long time ago, a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago, that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to who? Jesus. God gave him the authority so that when we pray in his name, we are coming in the authority of Jesus Christ. Because we ain't got no authority. We have no right to tell God anything. We have no space to to try to command God to do anything. But we have to come in the one who has authority and the power to say, hey, God, okay, look here. You see what they're going through? Okay, that's why the Bible says that he is seated at the right hand of God making intercession for you and I. He's interceding on our behalf. So when our prayers go up, and God like, I ain't, I ain't hearing that. Last time I blessed them, they forsook me. Last time I blessed them, they went and got a sugar daddy. Last time I blessed them, they wouldn't tear down their idol. So I ain't, I ain't, no, I ain't doing it. And Jesus stands up and says, uh, l- "Listen, Daddy, we got, we come on now. Come on, we got to do it. Cause, cause if we don't do it, she gonna go crazy." If we don't do it this time, if we don't come through this time, then then, then all faith is going to be lost, and they're going to, they're so c- come on, we got to do it. So we have to be directing who we're praying to. You got you to move away from this, getting all this stuff mixed up together. You want to pray to Buddha, and you want to pray to the universe and to Mother Nature. You better know who got some authority. You better know who got some power. Look at your neighbor, point your put up one finger and say, there's only one name. There's only one name. It's only one name, it's only one name. His name is Jesus. He's the eternal, immortal one. He was before there was a beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, it's Jesus. Don't get that confused. Because you know, some of y'all, you you look online, and you look on social media, and you're all confused. Somebody put out a documentary, you ride with it. But look at your neighbor and say, "Come come back to the book, come back to the book, come back to the book. It's only one name. So you got to be, you have to be direct, all right? So you pray, number one, what? Daily. Daily. Number two, what? Deliberate. And number three? Direct. So we said, what are some of the components of prayer? And there are four components of prayer that I want to talk about. We started with, number one, adoration. Everybody say Adoration. adoration. I'm going to give you some stuff that I didn't talk about on Sunday. Adoration is a human response before something that has moved you or impacted you in such a way that your whole being is involved. Adoration is praising God for who he is. Adoration, watch this, literally means to bow before or to revere. Now, if you strip away the, word, uh, the root word for adoration, the root word for adoration, catch this, means to kiss. So the idea of adoration is to kiss the ground in reverence before someone. To kiss the ground. You know, that's amazing to me because because we don't like to really let ourselves go in the presence of God. We, we, We want to make sure that we keep our cool. We want to make sure that we don't lose our cool points. We want to make sure that we keep a certain image. So I don't do all that. I don't do I, I no I don't do all that, all that yelling. I don't know what all that yelling is for. All that jumping and dancing and screaming and I don't what is I don't do all that. That's not my nature. Boo! That was the same you that was trying to fight somebody in the parking lot one day. <laughs> <laughs> Look at your neighbor say the same you the same you it's same, you. Same. same you. you same you. Get your mind right. Stop using all these excuses. Because here's the thing about praise and adoration towards God. Here's You ready? Here it is. Deep revelation. It ain't about you. Yeah. It's about him. And the moment it keeps being about you, it's no longer about him. That, that messes me up. You ready? Let me tell you why that messes me up, Brianna. Because that means that some of us have never entered to a place of praise. Because it's still about us. Mm-hmm. So you talk about those who go after God with everything on the inside of them. That's too loud. They always at the altar. That don't make no sense. Um but they the ones ain't going crazy. They the ones that got the joy of the Lord. They have learned in the process of what they go through how to come to the altar, how to just lay out before God and just release it over to him in his presence. And by the time they leave this place, they feel a whole lot better than how they came. And they say, anybody here that say, Pastor, I know what you're talking about because one day I just let it go and and I left here a whole lot better than how I came in here. Sometimes I get get frustrated because I'm like, Lord, how long you want to stay bound? How that's working out for you? You cute, but you bound. <laughs> you ain't gonna sweat, but you bound. You don't lift your voice like that, but you bound. But whom the sun says free. free. It's free indeed. It's free indeed. Uh, do me a favor, shake hands with your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. every time I come here, I come. I'm gonna leave free. Yeah, I ain't got time for to get the cute award. I ain't got time to try to impress nobody. I ain't got time to try to make sure that I look good in your eyes. As long as I look good in the eyes of God, I don't give a blip about what you think about me. I'm going to get free by the time I leave here. I'm going to waste my time. I'm just going to come here and look at you. I'm just going to come in here. I'm just going to work eight hours, then come up in here and still be bound. The devil is alive. I got a devil to fight when I go back to work tomorrow. I have to make sure that by the time I leave this place, I leave a whole lot better than I came. Adoration, it means to kiss the ground in reverence before someone. Go to James, the fourth chapter. James 4, verse number 1. James 4, verse number one. Did I I do the scripture on Sunday? Okay, James 4, verse number one. If you have a say amen. James 4, verse number one. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. Same scripture, you have not because you ask not. Verse number three, when you do ask, you ask, you, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Come here, let's talk. Let's, 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 let's unpack this. We have to start our prayers with adoration because when we ask God to bless us out of our selfish ways, God refuses to help us. So you start your prayer I'm talking about you. And God is saying, well, is it always about you, or can you ever stop and say thank you for what I've done for you? Because, watch this, God is not interested in blessing us in our wrong motives and in our wrong attitudes. God mover. No, it's your attitude, boo. Watch this. And while you're praying that they move, then all of a sudden your manager will come to you and say, oh, they're going to be in the cubicle right next to you. God trying to tell you it ain't them it's you watch this he's not going to bless you if you got wrong motives he's not going to bless you if you got a wrong attitude okay alright come on here we go watch this God this is going to be real strong so I hope you can take this God is not going to use your prayers to help you to sin sorry want to be in a relationship. No you don't. You want sex. <laughs> <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say wrong motive. Wrong motive. Wrong motive. You asking God to bless you with a car. Why? Because as soon, watch this, because I've seen this over and over, especially in freedom. Soon as the Lord give you a piece of a blessing, you get missing. You know I've discovered? Sometimes God keeps people right where they're at. Because he knows if I give you anything, you'll turn what I gave you into the God. And I see it over and over again as a pastor. That the Lord starts blessing you with a little bit of something. You make 50 cent an hour more. Now nah, uh-uh, I'm tired. I ain't coming to church today. Watch this. I need you to get this. God is not going to use your prayer to help you to sin or to fulfill your lust. He oh ain't going to do it. He ain't going to do it. Mm-mm. Selfish prayers crowd God out because we start to think more of ourselves than we do the will of God for our lives. It pushes him right on out. So question... Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Question. I need you to think about this just for a minute. Go back over your prayers that you've asked God. Now, come up with a percentage of how many of them have been selfish. Now, I need you, listen, I need you to hear this. You need to think about that just for a minute. Because how much of your prayer life is outside of the will of God? You ready for this? Because you can't even find a scriptural basis on why you even need what you were praying for. Because when you pray, you're praying his word back to him. So you're praying, Lord, send me somebody. He that found out the wife, found a good thing. He already got a wife. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all don't... I feel an attitude right over here. (laughs) What for? Lord, bless me with a better job. Why? You don't pay tithes now? Lord, take me to the next level. Why? You rude and nasty to the people you work in ministry with now. You are asking him to bless you right into sin. See, y'all ain't gonna talk about y'all, so I'll talk about me. My prayer used to be, Lord, send the members. Send them, Jesus. Fill it up. Let them line up. And God checked me. He said, why? I said, well, Lord, it's, you know I'm trying to get the people saved. He said, no. Why? Lord, I just want them to be saved and delivered. No. Why? Because numbers give you significance. Yeah. And you think having more, having more people means you got a better ministry. So now the people in the, pe- the, people in the city will talk about you and then you'll feel like you elevated to another level. But what you, don't fail, to, what you fail to realize, y'all ain't ready for this because this is how God talked to me, what you fail to realize is more people, more problems. <laughs> And if I take you to another level, there comes with that another devil. On, and you ain't handling the devil Come you got on, sir. now. Yeah. Come on, sir. He's not going to bless you into sin. Mm-hmm. So we have to start our prayer with adoration. Everybody say adoration. adoration. We, keep, we start with adoration to keep him as the centerpiece of our attention and of our affections. When you adore God through prayer, your thoughts are involved, your affections, your emotions, and your will is all involved because you will know how you adore something by how it makes you feel. So if you adore God, we shouldn't have to sing 17 songs for you to finally feel something. It took us that long to get you into the presence of God? Check your adoration. I just didn't feel nothing. It still is about you, ain't it? Because the Bible says, I will enter into his gates. That means your praise, you already had one before you got the freedom. But now we got a church that we got to sing you up out of your mood. Now we got to preach and holler and scream until you feel a little something. You leave here talking about, I think Rev was off. No, he wasn't. (laughs) The devil is a liar Because you know That's what the saints love to do Dick Larry let me tell you what they like to do now They like to psychoanalyze everybody else So it doesn't have to deal with the the man in the mirror So let me project onto everybody else What the problem is When the reality is It's me You know how I know You ready for this Because how is the person that sat right next to you in church Got it but you didn't But when you adore God, all they should be able to say is Jesus and something on the inside of you should move. It's good. All they should say is God is good. And something on the inside of you, I don't care if your feelings don't feel it. Something in your mind, in your intellect should kick in and say, He sure is. I might not feel like he's good, but I know for myself that he is a good God. How do you know he's good? Because he kept me, because he opened the door for me, because he made a way for me, because he keeps blessing me, and I give him the glory every time you mention his name. It's when you adore him. When you adore God, you be driving down the street, and all of a sudden a thought will hit your mind, and you in full tears. Not because of your problem, but because of how good he is. It is amazing how much we, it is amazing to me how much time we spend on our problem and we never see that God is bigger. It is amazing to me after all the stuff he done got you out of, after all the ways that he done made in your life, after all the times he blessed you and you were wrong okay y'all that ain't that ain't everybody's testimony I'll talk to April April there have been times in your life and in my life we have been dead wrong but we serve a God that still blessed us even when we messed up but now we got to sing you up out of your stuff get your mind right we got to call on Jesus for 30 minutes for you to feel a little tingle and watch this and watch this this is how I know you're immature you ready for this because the only way you felt like God moved is if you felt goose pimples. The only, only time you think that God moved is because you did a little shake. You felt something in your... No, honey. Sometimes you could be sitting there. You ain't got to move and you know that God's moved in your life. God is saying, you got to adore me. Don't come asking me for what you want. You ain't adored me. Tell me who I am to you. Tell me how good I've been to you. That's what he's looking for. Because watch this. A door grips your heart and brings you in and demands everything from you. Your time, your money, your energy. Because what you adore will control your life. So when I adore God, I'm giving him permission to rule my life. And you ready for this? And be satisfied with his will. This is where we, this way, some of y'all just, you you just turned me off right there. Because when you adore God is giving him permission to rule your life and be satisfied with his will can, can you look at your life and say right where I am right now I tell you thank you yeah, yeah. or does the blessed the perceived blessing that you think you need then determine to you that God is actually good why can't he be good right now why can't he be good? Watch this, because when I look back over my life, God was good, watch this, when the lights should have been turned off and they weren't. God was good when I didn't have the money and I had to put the little groceries that was in the cabinet together and it was the best meal I ever had in my life. He, see, some of y'all don't realize where he brought you from. God was good when your crackerjack self should not have graduated. You know you shouldn't have graduated. You know your credit wasn't good enough to get that car. And now you sitting here and you acting like God owe you something after all that he's done for you. You got to adore him. You got to bring your mind in so that when you tell him thank you, it is now setting your mind and your will towards him and being satisfied with his will. Do me a favor, lift your hand and say, Lord, Lord, I am satisfied 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 with your will. will. Our struggle is that we're not satisfied because our will becomes more important than the will of God for our lives. And adoration says, watch this, in whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. But we have regulated in the church, hear this. Uh, what we have regulated as adoration in the church, singing, lifting hands, and other religious calisthenics. Uh, But you can sing and not adore God in your heart. You can lift your hands and never adore God. But when you adore God, it means that God has a grip on your heart. and Whatever he requires and whatever he demands, you freely give it to him. Why? Because I adore him. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 17. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 17. Right? If you have a say amen. We talked about this on Sunday. Pray without ceasing. That being, don't stop praying. In everything, what? Give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus, for you, the will of God is that you give thanks to Him. You pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. Okay. Um, after adoration, the next component, or ingredient of prayer is revelation. It means to confess our sins to God and ask for His mercy. When I can't, when I can reveal who I am before God, I can receive what God has for me because there is a connection between revealing and receiving. You don't give up um, something that means something to you, to just anybody. You only give it up to those people who you feel you have an intimate relationship with. Okay? That when they have unveiled themselves, now you feel more comfortable with them. Are y'all with me? Yes, that when I reveal all of me in the presence of God, then I can receive what God has for me. Go to James, the fifth chapter. James 5. James 5. James five, thirteen, verse number 13. James 5, verse number 13. If you have a say amen. amen. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, look at verse number 16. We're talking about confession. Therefore, revealing confession. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Okay? Watch this. Here's what I've discovered. Confession is not an easy thing. Confession is not easy because the enemy opposes us going to God in prayer and confessing. Because he knows and and he knows what we fail to understand. And that is somehow in the mystery of God's purposes, hear this. Prayer is directly linked to God's activity. Let me say that again. Prayer is directly linked to God's activity. Ready for this? Here's a deep revelation. Some stuff ain't happened for you because you ain't prayed about it yet. Prayer opens the door for God to come in and do what he does best. So the enemy fears the prayers of God's people because confession Brings on freedom. Confession breaks the bondage of your life. Confession brings illumination of your mind and of your thinking. Confession leads to healing, and the lack of confession leads, leads to havoc. Let me say that again. Confession leads to healing, but a lack of confession leads to havoc. When you don't confess, it opens the door to a whole lot of other stuff. Watch this. Now, I want to look at this in two ways. Let's talk about confession because the Bible says confess your sins one to, a, to another, right? All right. So if I know I have wronged you and I don't confess it to you, then that leads the door. You ready for this? It opens the door to a whole lot of other stuff. You know what it opens the door to? Gossip. Offense. This unity? Mm -hmm. See, here's here's the issue. Here's the issue. The issue is that there are a lot of us that don't like to confess because our pride is bigger than anything and everything. You ever met somebody that ain't never wrong? Okay, let me talk to some real people. Have you ever talked to some people who ain't never wrong and you got receipts? And you are looking like, okay, watch this. Because a lack of confession, when you confess, it brings healing. But when you don't confess, it brings havoc. Mm -hmm. You, you 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 don't go to that person and say, you know what, I was wrong. Watch this. I didn't feel like I was wrong in what what they were wrong in the first place. Well, how about you apologize and say you was wrong for how you responded to it? Because it could be how you responded to it didn't add anything of redemptive value to it. It's not always about, watch this, trying to win the argument. Sometimes you got to realize, do I want to be reconciled or do I want to be right? Because some of y'all, all you're concerned about is being right, but you don't care about reconciliation. Reconciliation will make you apologize, and you ain't even wrong. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Confession leads to healing, but a lack of confession leads to havoc. So watch this. Let me tell you what confession does. This is for free. I'm just gonna throw this in for free. I want you to hear this. wrote this down, was gonna use this for another sermon, but this thing is, I want you to see this. When you confess, when you come clean, when you say what's really going on, you ready for this? I'm gonna tell you what it does. It does two things. It tests the motive, and it forces you to trust the relationship. Mm -hmm. You ready for this? Because when I apologize, it tests my motive in that moment. Do I really want to be reconciled or do I just want to be right? So when I confess, now it's testing the motive. But it also forces me to trust the relationship. Because can I say I'm wrong and still trust that we're gonna be reconciled at the end of this apology? And the reason, watch this, that some of us don't like to apologize or to confess is because we're scared if we bring up the issue then we might not have a relationship by the time the conversation is over. So I'd rather keep you in limbo than to trust the weight of the relationship. Because if it's a real relationship, we can agree to disagree. And still keep the relationship intact I don't have to agree see this is the problem with this generation this generation wants everybody to agree with everything they do and sometimes you got to learn that everybody ain't gonna agree with everything that you say or do or how you respond or what you thought about it they ain't always going to agree but if we really have a good relationship we can agree to disagree and keep the move keep the train moving forward but some of us don't want to test that so we'd rather not confess, because we scared the relationship ain't gonna be real. Mm-hmm. I could really go there. I, I, could, I see the door, and I could really go there. 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 Really go there. On, Have you had a friend <laughs> who you tried to tell them something they really needed to hear And by the time you got done telling them, you felt in your spirit this happened. Because they were not in the position to confess what was really going on. You ready for this? I've learned this. I have learned this. You can't tell everybody everything. Because there's some people that ain't ready to handle it. And some of you have verbal diarrhea where you try to tell everybody everything and you need to get some wisdom and discernment and realize everything ain't for everybody. Come on, sir. You ain't ready. Keep it 100. Child, stop. No. no. You don't want to keep it 100. You want to keep it 10 because that's all you can handle. Mm -hmm. Watch this. You got to test the motive and trust the relationship. Uh, look at verse number 17. I'm still right there in James. Verse number 17, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Watch this. I want you to see this. James is using Elijah as an example of what earnest prayer uh, answered by God looks like. When, he, when it says that he prayed earnestly, okay, it means literally in the translation, it literally means he prayed with prayer. Yeah, that messed me up too. Jojo, I was looking at it crazy like he prayed with prayer. What does that mean he prayed with prayer? And I had to keep digging because I couldn't understand that. I was like, Larry, what do you mean pray with prayer? What else you pray with? <laughs> and I, un- I couldn't understand what what do you mean you prayed with prayer and i kept searching it you ready for this that there are times that you can pray and it not be prayer sometimes your prayer is complaint and you are charging god that he's done something wrong to you mm-hmm. the text says that he prayed with prayer in other words he removed himself out the way and he went after God. He didn't put the weight of what he was going through or what was going on into the conversation because he wanted to remove self out of the way because he wanted to make sure that God's will was being done in, the, in his life. You got to pray with prayer, not pray with complaints. Mm-hmm. Not pray with worry. I'm going to come back to that too. Watch this. He didn't just say words that were not direct and deliberate, but his effectiveness in prayer was so powerful that, watch this, it extended even to the weather. Come on, sir. Come on, sir. Elijah knew that sometimes, watch this, a prayer, uh, an answer does not come immediately. He knew that we must pray until hey. he sees the breakthrough. Hey. And he was committed to keep on praying even if it was for the long haul. You don't believe me, so I need you to see this for yourself. Go to 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18. Let me show you this for yourself. Elijah, the prophet, he was a bad somebody. King wasn't acting right, and Elijah says, all right, since you won't act right, I'm going to pray that the Lord stop up heaven and it stop raining. And it stops raining. You ready for this? For three years, they have a complete drought off of one prayer. <laughs> can I tell you something? This is for free. Yeah. Be careful of messing with anointed people. Yeah. Yeah. Because anointed people can has the ear of God. y'all don't like that right there. I got you. It's good. You're going to be all right. First Kings 18, verse number 42, First King's 18. Verse number 42, you ready for this? Uh, So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Watch this, verse number 43, go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. In other words, he prays for God to send rain. He prays one time, don't nothing happen. Now, catch this. He prayed one time, and, 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 uh, uh, and God dries up everything. Prays one time. Prays again for the rain to come back, and ain't nothing happen. This is going to be a good revelation for some of y'all because God showed this to me, and this thing messed me up so bad. He prays one time, God did what he said. He comes back and pray again, ain't nothing happened. Okay, you still, I want you to see this. He prays one time, rain stops falling, three years. He prays again for the rain to fall, nothing happens. How do you handle when God answers your prayer on this end? But what you prayed about now is a problem. And now you're asking him to change it, he ain't doing nothing. What happens when you prayed for the job? Now it's working your last nerves. How do you handle when you ask God, God, send me the car. Now it's breaking down every month. What do you do? Isn't it amazing how God can move on one end and do absolutely nothing on the other? (laughs) Is this, uh, did, we, did we read the same scripture? I want to make sure we read this. Look at it again, verse number 43. Go, look toward the sea. Now, he done prayed, and he, and he told his servant, and he went up and looked. There ain't nothing there. And the Bible says seven times. Elijah said, go back again. What you see? Ain't nothing happening. Let me go pray again. Okay, go look now. What, did you see anything? I, none. Ain't nothing happening. In fact, watch this. The, the, the sky is so clear. All I see is blue everywhere. Catch this. Verse number 40, uh, 44. The seventh time. Somebody say the seventh time. Seven times. The servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Now, we shout over that but I need you to put that in proper perspective. It's a big old blue sky, and all I see is a small little cloud. See, this is where the rubber meets the road, because some of us would have gave up on try number three. It's where the rubber meets the road, because some of us would have stopped praying on try number five. He gets all the way to to number seven, and all he sees is a small little cloud. The size of a man's hand Look at your neighbor, say neighbor that's all, God need. that's all God needs You looking for this big old Miraculous blessing and sometimes you need to Realize that the greatest blessings come From the smallest start God help me right there. Okay, you don't like that? Let me put it like this. One day back in 2010, I started with five people. And the Lord, I looked at it. I said, this ain't nothing but the size of a man's hand. This real small." Lord, I thought it was going to be better than this. But when you believe that God is going to do something for your life, you don't give up. You keep going after it with everything inside of you. You don't give up. You keep praying. You keep pressing. You keep going after it. And after a while... I wish I had somebody watch this a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea so Elijah said go and tell Ahab hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops stops you, you did you see that um, a little old cloud and now you telling them to go ahead and come on before the rain, come, come on. You don't you okay y- y'all don't see it. I, I, I'm going to start preparing myself. Off of just seeing a little cloud. I'm gonna get ready. Watch this. Before I, it wasn't even it wasn't even this great deluge. Di- it was just a, a little small cloud, and you gonna tell Ahab the king to come on. You better come on before it starts raining. I, I, I prepare myself. I prayed, I see a little progress, and I get myself prepared for what's getting ready to happen. Hallelujah. You still don't see it. So when I pay off one credit card, Woo. even if it was nothing but $100, I prepare myself for all the debt that is getting ready to be wiped out. See, that's the problem. We don't prepare ourselves in small steps. You got to prepare yourself for what God is getting ready to take you. Look at this. Uh, meanwhile, verse number 45. Meanwhile, while they were preparing themselves, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. The heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Elijah had prayed the drought into existence. Now it's time for the drought to end, and he began to petition God, for God, the God of the universe, for rain. Not a little rain, but enough rain to quench the thirst of the land. He asked, no response. He asked again, still no response. Seven times he asked, and his servant said, look, to look for an answer. He prayed expecting an answer. Let me stop right there. He prayed expecting an answer. Stop praying if you ain't expecting an answer from God. Your prayer life will get you to the level, hear this, and I was was writing this and the Lord told me to to say this over you. Your prayer life is going to the level that you will be able to shift atmospheres. Okay. Some of you are getting ready to walk in some rooms and discern the atmosphere and shift the atmosphere when you show up and pray. The trouble on your job, all you got to do is discern the atmosphere and start praying not God remove my boss God give her the peace that she needs because she's struggling through something right now you, you, you see how that shifted but you got to be able to discern here's the problem with discernment you ready you can't discern if you're only looking at you mm-hmm. rain stopped at Elijah's prayer rain started at Elijah's prayer you, and, and here's, a, here's the last thing I need you to see watch this prays for the rain to stop, and it stopped, he prays for it to rain, and even though he had to pray several times, it started raining again, catch this, here's a revelation, in this season of answered prayer, watch your words, because your words have power, watch your words, hear your pastor, hear your pastor tonight, watch your words, watch all your complaining, you ready for this? What if, if, if in the next 24 hours, God did what came out your mouth? Look at your neighbor and say, watch your words. Watch your words. Watch your words. Watch your words. Okay? Because if my ears need to be trained by the Spirit of God, then my lips need to be guided by the Spirit of God. To confess means to agree with God. I got to agree with what God says. We talked about this on Sunday. I don't want you to turn to it. We talked about David when he acknowledged his sin and, and said, it's me, Lord. Ain't nobody else. When David confronted his sin, he became, became totally clean with the Lord. Uh, he dealt with his sin, his iniquity, his transgression. David opened his heart to the Lord and, uh, in a transparent honesty and held nothing back. God is wanting us to get to the place where we hold nothing back. And we say, this is me, God. This is me with the issue." it's me with the problem it's me with the issue with the with the habit that i can't break we have to be completely honest before him we have to confess what's really going on because if you don't confess it shame and guilt will imprison you when you don't tell god what's really going on shame and guilt will always imprison you okay so you have to make sure that you confess the reason why many of us still feel guilty inadequate and shameful is because the grace is received on confession when you confess then he can give you the grace Gave you the example. Paul prayed three times. Got the thorn in my flesh. Removed this thorn. He prayed three times, and the Lord never removed the thorn. But what did he say? My grace grace is what? Sufficient. I give you the grace after you confess the issue. So if I don't remove the issue, at least I give you what you need to handle it and to overcome it. That you will have the power over it. Don't mean it don't go nowhere. They tell you all the time that Alcoholics Anonymous, what did they say? The first line. Hello, my name is so-and-so, and and I am an alcoholic. And most times those people have not had a drink in 300, 400, 500 days. But they still open it up by saying, hello, my name is, and I am an alcoholic. Because when you confess it, watch this, now you can receive the grace from it. You have to confess what's going on in your life. All right? Here's number three. Supplication. Everybody say supplication. Supplication, supplication means to petition or entreat someone for something. A passionate zeal and hunger that fuels the prayer of your supplication. Supplication is not another form of prayer, but it's an attitude or the state of the heart of prayer supplication is not a set apart prayer it means that your heart is set to the place where you are you have a zeal after God for what God can do in your life you are requesting something from God God is not intimidated by you asking him for something he wants you to ask he he don't want you to sit there and be going through what you're going through and you never open your mouth and say nothing you he wants you to say something He wants you to have supplication. I'm asking God for things that I need, and and I'm excited about him answering my prayer. Go to Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse number six. Philippians 4, verse number six. Very familiar text. Philippians 4, verse number six. Now, I'm going to take a spin on this, but I'm, I want you to see where this is coming from. Philippians 4, verse number 6. If you have it, say amen. amen. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Okay. I'm going to say this statement. I need you to hear this and kind of ride with me just for a minute. Did you know that worry is a sin? Let that settle just for a minute. Worry is a sin. Why is it a sin, Pastor? Because when you worry, it means that you are not trusting in God. And anything that's not faith is sin. So worry becomes a sin. Paul says that we are not to be worried or be anxious about anything. And the word anxious, watch this, means to be troubled with the cares of life. Mm -hmm. Troubled with the cares of life. Don't be anxious about nothing. Don't be troubled with the cares of life. Some of you, it is hard to preach to you because every time I preach to you, your mind is worried about what's going to happen five days from now. It is hard to get you past being worried about every little thing in your life. Here we go. And Jesus has something to say about this. Saint ain't just Paul. Matthew the, tw- the Matthew, the sixth chapter. Matthew 6, verse number 25. Let's travel over there. Matthew 6, verse number 25. Matthew 6, verse number 25. Right. Um, Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, this is your word word from the Lord tonight. tonight. Matthew six, verse number twenty five. Y'all ready? New King James Version is what I'm reading. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow sow, nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit of his stature? Uh, Another way of putting that. Which of you can worry by, by adding one day of your life? Worry doesn't add nothing to your life. It actually robs your life. It actually takes away some stuff. Look at verse number 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Neither they toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God is... Now, why is somebody calling me and I'm in church? Now, if God so clothes uh, the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? trouble what you worried about you stressing out watch this stay with me because I'm going somewhere go to 1 Peter 5 1 Peter 5 we're going to tie this together so you got to stop worrying stop tripping it's going to be alright where the money come from stop worrying about it it's going to be alright what's going to happen on this this job stop worrying about it it's going to be alright I know it's going to be a hard one, but but that child, stop worrying about it. They're going to be all right. Stop worrying about it. Watch this. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7. Cast all your anxieties on him because what? He cares for you. Watch this. This is what the Lord said to me, and I need you to hear this. Okay, so we, we talk about worry. Worry is a sin, and, and God says, be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication, and with thanksgiving, make your request be known unto God. Watch this. Because you are in a war, you and I are in a war against, you ready for this? Worry. But you weren't designed to be a worrier. You were designed, here we go, to be a warrior. And you can't be a warrior being a worrier. You missed the revelation. You don't war when you worry. In fact, for most of you, when you worry, it completely debilitates you. You don't even know how to process anymore. You completely shut down. You go into a shell, you don't want to be bothered with anybody, you get isolated because worry shuts you down all the way, that you don't even know how to process, you don't even know how to move forward, come to church, because you are worried, and worry will wear you out. Somebody said to me, I had a pastor friend call me, he said, how was church Sunday? I said, it was good. I said, oh, the presence of God came in. The Lord blessed us. He said, how was attendance? I said, oh, it was low. He said, you don't sound upset. I said, child, I ain't worried about these people. I ain't worried about them no more. Address didn't change. (laughs) The time been the same for the last three months. Ain't nothing changed. It's still on Sunday, right? (laughs) Still on the same day of the week. He said, "Wait a minute. Months ago, you would go through a slap depression when the saints wouldn't show up." I said, "You know what I discovered? These ain't my people. These God's people." So I don't carry the weight of stuff I can't handle. I have no control over who shows up and who don't show up. So why am I gonna go home and sit up under the covers and be worried about what's happening and where so-and-so, I don't care no more. Amen, amen. <laughs> Somebody came to me, well, you, you know, you saw so-and-so, they was on, no, I don't care. It has no bearing on what the Lord has called me to do are y'all hearing this now while you think you just y'all looking at me and talking about what I'm worried about think about what you worried about think about the fact that you can't sleep over stuff that you can't control yeah get up off of me because you want to project everything on me Thinking about the stuff you are worried about. Watch this. And some of you, you get so worried that you get in a funk. And you flipping out on people that have nothing to do with what you're worried about. And God is saying, watch this. How can you war against what's happening when you are bound up in worry? How, how, can, you, how can you really Fight against what the enemy is trying to do when you are bound up in worry. It's wearing you out because you're worried about it. Worry about what's going to happen to my career. Worry about this, worry about that. Not, not, I want you to hear me. I'm not saying the stuff you ain't worried about ain't important. But what I am saying is that you have to make sure you have a clear line. Either I'm going to trust God Amen. or I'm going to try to handle this on my own. I've discovered trying to handle it on my own ain't working out too well I'd rather give it over to God touch your neighbor say stop worrying about it stop worrying about it stop worrying about it it so that you can get in a position to war against it so that you can build up your most holy faith so you can stop sitting there and being upset and being and falling out with people no the devil is a liar I ain't worried about this stuff God got this God God got this I said God got this I said God got this Touch three people say, God got this. God got this. God got this. He got this. Stop worrying about it. He got this. Stop driving yourself crazy over it. God got this. Stop wondering when it's going to happen. God got this. He already got it written in his script. All I got to do is just show up and do my part. God, I thank you for that. I ain't got to worry about this thing. I'm just going to do what he told me to do. And if it ain't happened yet, I'm going to keep on doing what he told me to do. Because after a while, what he promised me is going to show up. You can't even war. Cause you worried. Isn't that ama- that's an amazing revelation for me, y'all. You're too tired to fight. Because you're worried about stuff. I mean, Amber, I looked at that thing, I said, okay, Lord, you're talking to freedom now. Because I'm asking a bunch of scaredy cats to go to war. Watch this. I know you're a scary cat. Because when ministry calls, you always trying to push somebody else up. Come on. Come on. 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 Now you got it. Go go ahead. Go ahead. Can I get just one warrior that will show up on the battlefield and say, I'm ready to fight? Yeah. Yeah. A peaceful life is only accessible through a prayerful heart. So when you pray, peace comes. A peace-filled life is only accessible to a prayerful heart. New Living Translation says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. You want peace? You have to pray to the source of peace. So when I pray, I'm dropping my stuff off on him. You got it. You got this child. You got this money you got this job you got it I'm giving it over to you you got this church you got these people you got it Lord. you got this ministry you got it so I'm not gonna go crazy scratching my head trying to figure out how it's gonna work out so the first ingredient is what the second one number three and number four and I'm done celebration celebration Write it down. You will not have to turn to it. Deuteronomy 10, 21. Celebration. After you have told God what you want and what you need, now celebrate him for it. That's when faith gets activated. When I can praise him before it even happens. I don't have to praise him for the new car when it's outside. I could praise him two years before it even happens. I have to pray God. I don't have to praise God for a car being paid off when I pay it off uh, two years from now. I can praise Him now. Amen. And if I keep on praising Him, watch this. Somehow, some way, that might get sped up. You got to put celebration on it. The problem is that we don't like to celebrate what we don't have. And God is saying you got to have some level of faith that you believe I could do what I said I could do. So celebrate me for it praise me for it. That's why when we do soul cry, the last hour is all in hour. Because now, we done prayed for the last three hours. Now let's celebrate what he's getting ready to do in our life. We have to make sure that we don't sit up here and we praying and we praying and we praying, but we don't say, God, I thank you for what you're getting ready to do in my life. Because where's the faith? If you just supplicate and you don't celebrate, guess what? God is nothing but your Santa Claus. How I know. Because when you got the present from Santa Claus, you didn't say, thank you, Santa Claus. I sure didn't. The most you got out of me was, ooh. And I went to playing with whatever Santa Claus. You weren't even think about Santa Claus no more. You don't, watch this. After December 25th, you didn't think about Santa Claus until November. Am I talking to anybody in here? Watch this. And that's the problem with some of us with God. After he blessed you, you ain't thinking about him no more. Until the next crisis. You got to celebrate what God is getting ready to do in your life. Did y'all get something on tonight? All right, everybody standing. We're getting ready to go. Listen, um, uh, men and whoever can help, we need to remove the chairs out of this sanctuary um, and put them in that. Where y'all putting them? In the last classroom? In the last classroom? I, I ask you, please, do not drag them across that floor because uh, it leaves these scratch marks on it. So please make sure that you, um, if you can, pick it up, put it on the, um, the little cart that they have. Or if you're going to carry it, carry it, but don't throw out your back. We ain't got no insurance. So um, <laughs> make sure you don't throw out your back. Praise the Lord. All right? That was a joke, y'all. That was a joke. Praise the Lord. All right? That was a joke. I have to, you know what? People, it's amazing because people sometimes, I say stuff and it'd be a joke. And if you don't know me well enough, you can't catch the joke, so you think I'd be serious. That was a joke. So now I have to go back and say, that was a joke. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's why I don't like to, most times I don't like to call out people's names and joke with them because people don't know how to handle that. Not even the person I'm talking to, the people around don't even know how to handle it. So I, you know, I kind of steer steer away from that. So, um...